Welcome to Bodcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. Bodcast delivers the best business advice, real life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now, here's your host. Hello, my name's Katrina Reese. I'm one of the area managers at Practice Plan. Joining me today is the lovely Rebecca Munder. Rebecca, thank you very much for joining the podcast this afternoon. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? I'd love to. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, As you said, I'm an executive coach. Um, I support uh, senior leaders and uh, practitioners um, throughout uh, the country. And I'm really excited to be here today to talk to you about confidence. Fantastic. Well, thank you. I mean, this is a really great subject to talk about. I mean, just thinking about confidence, where exactly does confidence come from? I know it's such a good question. Um, A lot of people think, uh, oh, you're born with it. Uh, You've either got it or you don't. Um, And uh, it's quite nice to be able to to share that actually we develop our confidence. Um, Confidence, if you can imagine, um, you know, uh, a basketball player uh, wanting to be confident in their, their game, no matter how much Um, people tell them they're wonderful that's not going to build their confidence even if they tell themselves they're wonderful that's not going to build their confidence but practice will build their confidence so quite often practice is really important to help build our confidence Um, we also need to develop over the years as we grow um, self-awareness Um, And we can only do that um, if we've got a balanced level of feedback coming back to us. So if we're constantly told we're not quite good enough, then that's really going to harm our confidence. Equally, if we're told we're amazing all through our lives, that's going to give us an unvalid level of confidence, maybe overconfidence. So our experiences really also uh, make a difference. Okay. So obviously your environment and how you're, you, you know, you, you interact, you're interacted with will have an impact um, as to your level of confidence. So if we haven't got confidence by the time we've hit middle age, is it something that we will ever get or, or, or is it too late? Definitely not too late. Um, there's work to do as we if we need to build any muscle, uh, we need to do the work. So I would say we need to do the work. Um, And asking um, other people what their opinion is um, really helps build self-awareness. And once once we have a better self-awareness, we have more confidence. So, for example, if you uh, asked a carpenter to build a table without telling them what was in their toolkit, they wouldn't be very confident in doing that. So we need to know what is in our toolkit. And sometimes we're so focused on what we're not doing well Um, that we think our toolkit is empty. So it's not about bragging or being boastful. And in in Britain, we're really bad at saying what we're good at or what our strengths are. It's the question in interviews people dread the most. Um, And actually, it's such a shame because we just need to have that balance. So we might say, oh, I'm a little bit too bossy, but we can't say I'm assertive and actually I have a nice way of getting things done. Um, So it's really about having that balance. Um, And actually, there's an amazing um, game, uh, a game called pack types. 
Um, and you can play a card game to help build your self-awareness. You can play it with other people so that they can draw out the strengths and the qualities that they see in you. And that is wonderful. The more people you can get feedback from, the more you're building that body of evidence um, for that uh, that self-awareness, which really makes a difference. So definitely can be done at middle age and later. You've mentioned um, feedback then, asking for feedback. Some people fear that though, don't they? You yes. Know, and they're getting feedback. How, how, how would you handle that? Yes, they definitely do. Um, there's two things I would recommend that they do. Um, one is to keep a positive attitude log and um, listeners can download that off, off my website. So the positive attitude log is not a gratitude journal. It doesn't talk about what you're lucky has happened to you in the day. It's about what's happened because of you. So you start building up that body of evidence yourself. The other thing that a lot of athletes and performers have is a way to review their performance. And so we have the three R's. So the first R is the review. What happened in the performance? What happened in the meeting? Uh, what happened in that conversation? Then repeat. What would you do again? What did you do well that you'd like to repeat again that got you the result that you got? And refine. What do you need to do differently? So in your review, you can score yourself out of 10 and your repeats are how did I get that high? Where did I how did I get that six? What did I do in order to make that six happen? And then your refines are what would make it a seven or an eight, for example. So you can do your own feedback if you like, or you can give that to someone and say, can you give me the repeats and the refines? Your boss, for example, should be really happy to do that for you. Your partner, your kids. Oh, my gosh, they're the worst, the uh, real critics. But um, the harshest critic. So, I oh, know that's that's really great. Thank you. You also mentioned self uh, self awareness. What what's the difference difference between self awareness and self belief, and how does that impact your confidence? Okay, so right, the best way I can describe this is if you imagine um, someone on the X Factor and they're doing the the VT before the the audition. And this person is saying, oh, I'm absolutely amazing. I've been singing all my life. I can't, I can't wait to get on the stage. <laughs> and um, It's amazing. I'm going to show everybody what I can do. And the family are all, they go, oh, he's incredible. And you're just, you just know that it's going to be a car crash, don't you? And they go on stage and you just, you feel so sorry for them. That is self-belief. So yes. Self-belief is where you believe in yourself, but there's really not the right level of, um, of skill behind it. Self-awareness is where you know where your strengths are, you know where your areas for development are. And so it's really important that you focus on self-awareness. However, well, actually, because if you have a better level of self-awareness, then you do begin to believe in yourself a bit more. And I think if the whole world believes in you, but you don't believe in yourself, you won't go anywhere. If you think of all the inventors, all the people that have been told you're crazy, you can't do that. J.K. Rowling with 13 books, 13 editors that turned her down. You know, we really need to believe in ourselves. So that self-awareness is so important. 
That was really interesting. No, thank you. Yes, and I, I can see exactly how one the self-awareness would would impact, you know, play off the self-belief. So in terms of confidence then, how 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 what techniques would you use with your clients to help them build self-confidence? So I think really it's building that body of evidence as we talked about. It's that it's the PAL, it's starting to the positive attitude log, sorry. When we are feeling not so great about ourselves, we selectively attend to everything that proves us right. So we only notice the times when we weren't invited to speak at that meeting or we notice the times when the the uh, waiter forgot to take our order. Um, and we 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 notice that because we want to be as humans proven right. So the positive attitude log will help or or something like that will help you start noticing the stuff that you are doing that really should be increasing your confidence. The times someone has said something or done something to make you feel good, um, something you've done that day that makes you feel good. You start noticing it rather than just going to bed thinking, well, that was a rubbish day and, uh, you know, I've had an awful day. It's it's hard to begin with because it's it's a new practice. Um, but actually, when you dig deep, you do find things that have happened in your day that you otherwise would have ignored um, or might have thought, oh, they're just saying that to be nice. So it's really important we don't skim over those moments and we write them down. Um, yeah. Okay. So on on the other side of this, there are people who have have got some really good skills, but they just lack the confidence to put themselves out there. So say, for example, if you were in a a meeting and you needed to be more assertive and, you know, to get the courage to be the voice that speaks up, what tips do you have for people wanting to help themselves become more assertive? I think firstly, I think about your values and why you're there in the first place, why you got invited to the meeting and to remember why you were given the role in the first place. And a lot of people in their value set will have things like hardworking, conscientious, um, you know, a, a good work ethic. So actually, are you staying true to your values when you stay quiet in a meeting that you could otherwise speak at? So first of all, it's thinking about your motivation, why you want to speak. But then you're right, Katrina, it's so scary. Um, So I always like to just dip my toes in. I don't like to go head first, but many people might. In fact, a client I was talking to yesterday said, I just went straight in and, and gave this opinion and um, they came back and no one laughed and everyone thought it was a good idea. And she, and she was so shocked because she'd been telling herself for years not to speak up because she had nothing of value to say. So to dip your toe in if you don't want to take that approach is to be first, to just try and get in there first. It's much easier to be the first to speak. You don't necessarily have to say something. If you're worried about what you're going to say might be wrong, ask a question. At least then you've got a presence in the meeting Um, or support someone else's point. Um, uh, That's a very kind way of joining in the conversation, supporting someone else. And then the focus is still on them, but you've still got that place in the meeting. The author, Nancy Klein, says you're never truly present in a meeting until you've spoken. So the chances are if you don't speak, you're not present. You haven't added anything. And it's a real shame because you've obviously got some value to be there um, in the first place. 
And I think just making those small comments um, help you practice. We come back to that practice being visible. Um, it's less daunting if you put your toes in. The more practice you get, like my client yesterday, you'll notice that actually it's really not that bad. Um, and, and you're more fully present and, and congruent in your role. This is really great um, advice and, and tips for all our listeners there, Rebecca. Thank you very, very much. I'm sure that you have some more um, useful information that our listeners could access on your website. I don't know if you'd like to just steer them in the right direction. Yes, certainly. If people go to guruyoucoach.com, um, they'll find my website there. That's smashing. Rebecca Manda, Executive Coach and Founder of Guru You Coaching. Thank you very, very much for your time on the podcast today. It's been amazing. It's been wonderful. Thanks, Katrina.